everything's good. My notes are in here upside down. It's perfect. Of course. Yeah. Okay, so we're here live after a little bit of technical difficulties using my phone on speakerphone to, to make the audio work. Uh, but we're here with Flip of Albies, and uh, we're going to talk about Albies, bicycles, history, everything, everything good today. So first of all, thank you. Of course. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you for uh, bearing with me through the technical difficulties, because I've never actually used Zoom on my end before. And for some reason, your audio wasn't coming through, but we got it. And uh, I guess to start, uh, I want to hear a brief history on Albies, I guess. Like, because I, I started riding in 2006. And when I started riding, Albies was just like one of the options for like buying parts. And I knew it was like from Dan's, I could get stuff in like three days. From Albies, I could get it in two days or maybe even one day if i like order quick enough and that is it that's all i know yeah the albies has been around since uh technically the late 60s uh started by a couple of crazy old dudes that uh originally it was a lawnmower repair place yeah but we're good Lawnmower Anyways, yeah, it started place. out as technically a lawnmower repair place, and uh, one of the owner's sons um, slowly converted it into a bike shop in the 80s, and it took off from there. Um, probably one of the, probably the oldest running BMX mailer company, honestly. Yeah, that is wild, dude. I had no idea. Most people don't. It's, uh... But before before it was you know before it was mainly just all BMX stuff, um, they sold mini bikes like motorized type stuff. Wow! Um, but that was long before any of us were involved. Um, I started working there in '94, '95 ish. I was typical local kid that rode and you know Elby's sponsored me and uh, ended up working there and kind of snowballed from there. The past 25, 30 years. Wow, that that's so cool to hear. I literally had no idea. So, are you the owner? I, I am one of the owners. There's two of us. Okay. Me and, uh, and another guy named John, uh, who is uh, a couple years younger than me. Uh, also, hardcore BMX dude. Um, and yeah, we we worked for the old guy for many years. Uh, John, I, and another guy bought him out in early 2000s. Uh, and then John and I bought out the other guy. So it's just been John and I since, uh, 2011 ish. Wow. That's pretty sweet. I've, I've known you for a long time and like still wasn't even sure if you could own the Albies or not. That's, that's pretty cool. So, so I guess you've been around BMX shops for a long time and, and you've seen a lot of the ups and downs. Um, does any, does what's going on right now to compare to anything that's happened before? BMX is so, I shouldn't even say BMX. The cycling industry is so weird right now. And obviously you got to blame some of that on, on the COVID stuff. Um, you got to blame all of it on the COVID stuff between shortages and popularity of the sport. Uh, it's, it's crazy. And, you know, like I said, I've been, I've been in the business end of this for close to 30 years now. And this is unprecedented. Right. I kind of wondered about that. Is there, was there anything that's even come close? And if so, like, what was it? No, I mean, there's, there's always peaks and valleys, right. you know, you know, BMX will be real big for a while and real popular and then die off. And, and it just, you know, it does crazy peaks and valleys, but this is, this is crazy. The past couple of years, um, for us, we've been slowly, you know, growing and growing and growing and, at a pretty decent rate, you know, we were super stoked and then COVID hit and it just went to the moon and it's to the point to where it was hard to keep up. Yeah. Uh, we were working last year. I think this time we were probably working 16, 18 hour days, seven days a week, just trying to keep orders moving. Jeez. And it was ridiculous. And since then we've done a bunch to streamline things and, and hired a few extra people and we're dialed now. We're so dialed. right Yeah. Now. That's good to hear because, like, 
the local shop I ride for, Brimstone, they're still just like swamped. I mean, they're yeah. constant repairs, having to try and figure out people who can, they can be can be relied on. Really, like yeah, for sure. It's hard to find good people. It's very hard to find good people. Um, we are technically not even doing any sort of repair work right now because we can't keep up. Wow. Um, the mailer thing is so busy right now. Uh, we don't. We're pretty choosy. Actually, we're really choosy about people that we hire because um, everybody that works here tends to work here for a very long time. Yeah. And uh, like our mechanic is also, I don't know, a lot of people probably heard of Turbo. He's probably oh, one of yeah. the most well-known BMX wheel builders there is. And uh, he's so swamped on wheels that all he does all day is twist nipples. So it's like we can't get him to work on bikes. He's just way back up. That's wild, dude. I had no idea that, like, I mean, I know things are crazy, but I didn't, I wasn't quite sure the extent of, like, the mail order stuff, because I feel like there's, like, a a cycle that has to be going in place right now where, like, the people who order the product have to be on top of things to a point where, like, if you're behind by a couple hours, you might miss out on something. You are screwed. Yeah. We have, uh, we have bikes coming in that have been trickling in that I ordered probably eight, nine months ago. They're just now showing up. Wow. Yeah. Like in, it was super busy eight or nine months ago. So we predicted that hopefully it'll still be busy. Mm -hmm. So it's working out, but it's still, we can't get product fast enough. Yeah. It's insane. Everybody that I've talked to is like, thought it would be crazy, you know, like, for the season and then maybe die off over winter and then it didn't. And now we're getting into the warm months again. And it's like, mm -hmm. is it going to take off even further? Like what, what's next? Like how could it go even crazier? I, I think it's going to be tough because it does sound like everything's going to run out though. From what I'm hearing from vendors and whatnot, they just can't get stuff made fast enough, especially bikes. Yeah. Um, there's a big seat shortage, I guess. Uh, yep. Pedals are hard to get. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's really weird. I'm, I, it, you know, keeps me up at night. I hate to have all these people hit me up to buy bikes and not have anything. That'd be a bummer. Right. Absolutely. And I, I've heard that like even materials starting to be like the problem before it was not, it was more or less the time in allocating everyone who is a customer. And now I'm hearing it's materials to even make the things. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Which kind of blows your mind, which, like, because things more or less are getting back to, like, where they were as far as, like, how, you know, what's working and what's, like, it's not like there's still things that are totally shut down factory-wise and stuff, right? No, I think everything's open overseas. Um, like you said, I think material shortage uh, is a big issue, and there was a... Uh, a brief time where everything overseas was closed, so nothing was being built. And then there was such a huge spike in everything that, you know, I think a lot of the bike companies will say like Kink or Fit, they did their ordering, they got all their bikes in that were supposed to last them a year, and they sold out in like a month. Yeah. So it was like, then there's almost, you know, 11 months with no product. Right. So that I think that's part of it. And overseas hasn't been able to catch up, I don't think. Yeah. So, so with everything going on, how crazy it is, what do you think, like, I feel like before COVID and before everything kind of did a right angle to the sky, I feel like, like the role of bike shops and distributors and companies and, uh, ordering direct and all of these things was kind of like a questionable thing to talk about. But I think yeah. now even more, like, cause I feel like you could make the argument that like a distributor might be like not as busy as they were in other points in time but now i feel like it makes more almost more sense than ever that you've got these people who are keeping track of things what do you think about that whole like chain of of how things go i uh, if you're are you talking about distributor or uh, uh manufacturers like selling direct and whatnot no yeah like the companies not necessarily the factories the factories okay the, 
I think there's a lot of sales guys in the industry that are pretty on top of things Yeah. and are, I mean, I know at least with us, they are, they'll contact us when things are available. A lot of times we'll have product on the way before they even put it in their system. Cause we've ordered months and months in advance. Um, but I definitely can see that there's probably a lot of sales reps that don't have much to do because they don't have anything to sell. Yeah. That's an interesting take on it that I hadn't considered. It's it's crazy how this insanity creates good and bad. Oh oh yeah, very much. It's a very good bad thing. Right. And, and, and it, it put a huge uh, booster shot in BMX's arm because so much stuff sold and there's more people on bikes and it's rad. But I worry about what's going to happen when it crashes again. And it will come back down. Do you think someone made a really good point just now? I think it proves a point that we need to have more bikes and parts made in the USA. Like maybe that makes sense that we have pedals and tires and things like that made in the USA where they're kind of like not right now, as far as like the majority of things. I don't know if there's any BMX tires made in the US. No, a lot of that stuff, it you know, like tires and whatnot, that's a big deal to try to make in the US. But frames, forks, stuff like that, there's, there's plenty of places to be doing it. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple companies that, um, complete bike companies that are going to be making some stuff in the U.S. I don't know if any of it's public knowledge yet, so I won't name any companies. Right. But, uh, yeah, like companies that you would not expect to be making USA-made frames uh, know that that's what's probably going to have to happen for a little bit at the very least. So ah. they're, they're reaching out and making it happen. I think if you're a U.S. bike company or like trying to start building things in the U.S., like right now is the time to do it whenever no one can get anything. And I mean, working with the people I work with and then even at work, uh, I part time work like as a media guy for a tractor company and hearing them talking about different things going on and sourcing things. You you hear people talk about the U.S. more because other places just aren't an option. We just had a conversation today about this specific piece for uh, cultivation in farming, which is just like taking the weeds out of your crop. That they are, we are the only company in the whole U.S. that makes these in the U.S. So so they don't know the state of things outside of the U.S. But they think that potentially the craziness going on is because of that. So like it only makes sense that if there was anybody out there thinking about making these other parts that you can't get in the U S or you can't get it all right now could make a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. It could. I, I the, uh, the downfall that is, is if they do a lot of USA made stuff, it's going to be pricey. Yeah. And people always complain that, Oh, it's not made in the USA. It's not made in the USA. But then the second it is, they bitch about the price. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you can't win. Yeah. There will be a balance there, I think, that's found if people start making more yeah. things there where it's like the line between how much someone's willing to pay and what gets made here, I guess. And with that said, there's definitely some diehard people that would just be stoked to spend money in the USA, which is great, which is super cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, when you think about it, you said t- things like tires are hard to do here, but like, I'll, I'll, I mean, I feel like most of the metal parts could definitely be absolutely done yeah yeah for sure hmm. that's, that's and, there, and there's i mean there's even companies that all these bike companies could contact i mean snm will make stuff for pretty much anybody right if you ask them to um i know the gary turner people are you know of gt they're yep. bikes uh obviously mike laird yep john um, courts he's doing it too white house yep. white house yep we the people having frames made in America. That's a good. Point. That was one of the ones I knew about. I wasn't sure if that was a public thing. Yeah, they uh, they have that capital frame. Yep. Um, I'd be curious to to the concept of having seats made here because I know there's that patent and all of the the issues with that. Like yeah. how difficult it would be for someone to like start that up in the U.S. I mean, if you pay the money, would they, I feel like they would do it? Yeah, I mean, from what I understand, Velo owns that pivotal yep. patent. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm sure somebody could come up with something that's similar that could get around it. Or pay the 
licensing fees and whatever right. it would take to do that. Especially if, if Velo can't keep up and can't make seeds fast enough, you think they'd be completely fine with licensing it out and just making money without having to do anything. Yeah, literally. And, and then that's, I mean, I don't know if it's public or anything, so, and I don't know companies specifically, but I have heard that there are companies who bu- whose bikes are delayed because of pivotal seats not being yeah, a thing right absolutely. now. absolutely. Yep. Which is insane to think about the fact that a whole entire bike is held up by the seat because the seat manufacturer who has a monopoly on Pivotal can't make them. <laughs> like, that's okay. insane. A couple of those companies I've mentioned, you know, just put railed seats on it. Just put one-piece seats on it. I know it's not ideal, but get yeah. the bikes out there. Like, yep. Price it accordingly and people buy it. You know, if they can get an aftermarket seat at some point, they will. Right. Get some bikes out. Absolutely. That's, it's a wild conversation to have. And this, I think it's cool to go super in depth, like we are on it, because I think that there's a lot of people who just are feeling like I see people bitching online, like, Oh, these companies said this bike was coming in eight months or however many months ago. And it's like, I don't think people realize the severity of everything that's going on and the delays of what's actually happening. They don't at all. I, we we literally have people get mad at us because we don't have a certain bike in. Yeah, I've heard and, the stories uh, too. I, what can I do? Like, I can only, you know, I can only get what's available. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like we'll say Kink doesn't want us to sell bikes. They don't have them to give to us. To right. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, and and hopefully just that little bit can maybe give some insight on it. I don't know. I mean, I I've heard pedals are like a year or two out or something yeah, insane. I've heard that too. Like it's it's crazy, and and maybe that means that companies like India are gonna start ramping up their bicycle production, and bike companies can move, start to move out of Taiwan, move back to the U.S., move wherever they need to. I, I, I have I do know a couple of companies have experimented in uh, um, Cambodia. Interesting. Yep. So I know there's a couple bikes out in the market in the past year or so that were built in Cambodia and uh, they seem okay, but yeah, we'll see. time will tell, I guess. On that note, I guess we've hit the industry side of things pretty hard. Um, and actually, I did want to mention to you that a lot of the things I sent you for topics came from Sponge. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It could have been worse then. Jeez. Ha! <laughs> uh, but, but one thing he talked about was, uh, or he put in there was about the Michigan scene, which I thought was a really good thing, topic to bring up because I feel like you've like helped a lot with the Michigan scene. And it, there's been a lot of evolution with people who have come from Michigan, like Tyler yes. and Taj. I didn't even know Taj came from Michigan. Holy shit. <laughs> Corey <laughs> Taj Rogowski. Was, Taj was uh, a mechanic at Elby's when he was like, 17 no way yeah where would that have put you in the grand scheme of albies uh it was shortly before i worked here so i was like just one of their sponsored rider kid rats at the time dude that's sick yeah tosh started working uh as a mechanic at the shop and then he started traveling a little bit and next thing you know tosh is tosh right then you got like matt sparks yeah that's another name that's like yeah, I mean, there, there, there has been. It's kind of weird. It's almost like different decades. I guess I've been around here for LBs for close to four decades now, and each decade has a super core group of riders. Mm-hmm. Like uh, we'll say the '90s uh, was when I start started really getting into things around here. Was Taj and Ron Kimler and uh and people like that i don't know if you're aware that both taj and ron kimler both being from michigan have x games medals that's sick um dosh is from michigan oh has yeah. an x games medal um a lot of people don't realize there's a dude named nathan fons who rode for dk who actually has an x games medal for downhill bmx Whoa. for the year or two they did that that's crazy there's there's been really good riders that have come out of michigan really yeah. good riders Team Young, someone just said in the chat. Team Young, yeah, Team Young. That was a, holy shit, that was a debacle. <laughs> it, it's pretty cool, but, like, it, I feel like through people that have ridden for Albies and moved 
and like gotten pretty big in BMX, do you feel like do you feel like you've had a part in any of that with some people, or do you feel like you've got given people somewhat of a start by them riding for Alpies? I, I I like to think so. I mean, I guess that's something you probably have to ask those people. Right. Um, I definitely feel I <laughs> I've definitely helped a lot of people out. Yeah. I opened a lot of doors for some people. Um, some have taken advantage of that and done really well. Some have completely screwed the pooch and blew it. <laughs> um, I'm not naming any names. Yeah. But uh, I'm really proud of the people that have come out of Michigan um, that if I had anything to help with, if the shop had anything to help with, or just being part of the scene, I'm super stoked on on Michigan riding history from you know the 80s all the way till now yeah it's it's crazy the talent that's been in this in this town yeah it's really cool to see and i think i feel like you could attribute albies to that for some people and transitions to that for some people Mm -hmm. and like modern and like the whole area i feel like i mean i feel like ohio has a similar thing where it's like you're everybody's forced into the indoors in the winter time and like people just i don't know I feel like the Midwest just breeds like amazing BMX riders. I, I agree. Um, when, when I was riding quote unquote as a pro, I was a half rate pro in the nineties and it was Chicago. Chicago was like the hot spot. Yeah. There was so many good riders in Chicago and we travel there all the time. And, uh, I have a lot of friends from out there and, and that just, that was the Midwest here. And then Chenga popped up yep. like the first Chenga so many good riders in the midwest yep absolutely that's i want to talk about riding too because i mean we've ridden together a couple times and like i this is not an insult i just didn't think about riding in terms of like you and i had no idea how amazing you are riding until we actually like rode together just because it's like one of those things you don't think about till you're there right and dude i don't like you've ridden i mean you've been involved with albies for almost four decades did you how so you, and you were sponsored by albies before you rode there like how i don't know i just want to talk about bmx i guess like <laughs> I, I i thank you i appreciate that that was that's nice uh super cool i don't think uh, you know now that i get older i don't travel as much I don't care so much about putting out stuff on social media yeah. as far as riding and whatnot goes. I think a lot of people don't even realize I ride bikes. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's not on Instagram, it didn't happen. Yeah. Did it happen, right? right? Yeah. It's, it's the truth, but like you keep it true to the front brake, back brake, four pegs lifestyle. And yeah. every time I ride with you, you're doing crazy shit. Like that fakie nose manual in the back room at Ray's down 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 all over and like the the uh 180 nose pick whip over the spine with that picture with jeff oh yeah we were all doing yeah yeah that was rad yeah and it was stuff like that i was like geez that was that's a hard trick he did that first try i was always a you know midway it's another midwest thing midwest is always known for tech riders um in in the early days i traveled a lot to rampage Mm -hmm. you know when saw the birth of standard and watch people like Frymouth and and uh, Chad DeGroot and those type of dudes and Rick Malterno. Yeah, those were all those were all my people I looked up to. And you, obviously, anybody that's seen me ride knows that's my style. Yeah, yeah, that's so sick. So, what was it like in the Michigan scene when you were seventeen riding for Albies? Like, what was the landscape like? Bikes <laughs> like riding. That was at that was at a very very deep valley. There was not a huge scene there was uh i mean i shouldn't say that i guess bmx in general there just was not a lot of bmx around that time yeah in the in the early 90s but when when there was an event and everybody would get together it was rad Mm -hmm. you know there might be 40 people in the entire state that rode bmx at the time that would show up at these events but it was always a blast and that's when that's when you know i met taj i met ron kimler yeah and those were michigan legends watched them just turn into superheroes in the state um but yeah that time was pretty mellow there was not a lot and if you met somebody within an hour of you that rode bmx you were just stoked to have a friend yeah well so how do you get started riding in in the valley like that when there's not a ton of people riding 
I don't know. I've always been kind of a daredevil type person. And, you know, even as a, my parents used to always joke because when I was a little guy, I'd ride my big wheel around and go up on two wheels and yeah. flatland tricks on my big wheel. And they'd make fun of that. So I think it, I think it was just in me. I think I got you. It was, it was just part of it. I and feel like for a lot of us, it's just in us. Got my first real BMX bike, which by the way is right there. What the, the actual one? Well, it's not the actual one, oh, but okay. it's it, I I tracked one down that's just like it. That's sick. And uh, anyways, I bought that bike when I was about eleven years old, and went from there. Been riding bikes ever since. Never yeah. slowed down. So, so what's your first like memory of actual BMX that made you wanna? You know, do you get what I'm asking? Like, yeah, there was a when I was probably nine or ten years old there was a kid that lived a couple doors down from me i lived in a townhouse and uh i we we're pretty we didn't have a lot of money when we were younger so we lived yeah. in kind of a dumpier place and but the kid down the street had you know this amazing i don't remember what it was but he had a really good bmx bike mm-hmm. and you know he'd cruise around and jump curbs and he was he was the hero in the neighborhood and i was like i want to do that i want to do that yeah and kind of kind of took off from there i definitely uh rode some awful bikes at that time <laughs> in my life and i think that actually helped me appreciate where i am today as far as you know i want a bike i get a bike it's you know it's amazing now yeah yeah that's that's really cool to hear about and that was that when was this uh, i'm old so that was back in the 80s i'm four i'm 47 47 is still killing it is awesome and i don't know just hearing the origin of things like in an organic way like that is so sick like it, a lot of people have the story of like oh i saw x games on tv and i wanted to do that and that's awesome yeah. <laughs> and that's really awesome i think it's it's cool too to have the well i saw it like someone local to me and this inspired it and it came from here everybody's got their own story of how they got into bmx it's cool and, and that goes like with the different decades like back in the 80s you got into bmx from seeing somebody else do it yeah back in the 90s you started seeing things like x games then a little bit later you catch people on youtube right. it's like it's crazy how everything just evolves and who knows you know You'll see people on TikTok and Instagram and who knows, whatever next social media platform. Definitely. We'll read the next X Games gold medalist. Oh my gosh, how crazy is that? Uh, so, did you ever race then? No. Uh, <laughs> I've raced twice in my entire life, and that was within the past 10 years. Um, and I made it to my main, and it was all stoked because I really thought I could win. Yeah. And then I was talking to somebody. And I completely missed my main. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. But it was Whatever. cool. I was riding my front brake bike with just took my pegs off and that's super rad. It's I feel like it is that a rarity in people who started at the same time as you? I feel like a lot of the people's story is like, Oh, I was racing and then I saw someone hitting jumps and doing tricks, and then I was like, Oh, I wanna do that. Yeah, that's de- that's definitely the the way most people started um i didn't i don't i just didn't have that luxury when i was little yeah like i said I, I had crappy bikes and it was basically just cruise around jump curbs find a dirt hill and it evolved from there right and then uh and then when there wasn't anything to ride i got pretty heavy into flatland there for a while and and that definitely helps with the textile riding too oh for sure that's i feel like flatland is what breeded people like asado and frymouth to be i claim that flatlanders and racers make the best overall riders oh a thousand percent the best nick fix did he ever race he had to have raced nick, nick i believe nick fix he's a great rider there's no uh, way he didn't race yeah, with the way sure. he rides brandon dosh is one yeah just you know people people that race you could see their style they just have a really good style and then there's the dudes that rode flatland and they're just amazingly technical so yeah it's like those are my two favorite types of riders hell yeah yeah you're 100 percent right on that one um i did have a thought too while you're talking about the the era and things have you noticed more over time uh or more recently more older guys coming into the shop and, and getting bikes or getting parts older guys yeah yeah oh um 
in the past couple of years, yeah, that, that part of the industry's changed drastically. And it's not just older, it's younger too. Hmm. You know, 10 years ago, 95% of the bikes we sold were typical 20 inch BMX bikes. Yeah. And now it's, you know, we're selling BMX bikes from a 12 inch wheel all the way up to a 29 inch wheel. And we're selling a lot of all of them. It's yeah. not just 20 inch bikes. And you know, you've got the little kid that's three years old, that's fresh off a of strider. And then 65 year old dude that wants to do wheelies down the street on a 29 inch bike. It's crazy, but it's rad. I love seeing all these people on bikes. Yeah, I kind of just wondered because a lot of the people who I end up seeing comment on my YouTube channel and stuff are older guys who are coming back to BMX or never stopped but found yeah. YouTube and they're leaving comments and things like, oh, this is so cool, like all this or whatever. I wonder, just wondered if like being someone who's at a bike shop every day, if you notice that translating into that side. Yeah, absolutely. And then the the – the whole resurgence of the old school thing too. Yeah. So many dudes getting back into it. And a lot of the bike companies catering, catering to it and making throwback stuff. It's really cool. Especially since I'm from the time that everything's being made again, you know, growing up in the eighties, Haro was making 80 style bikes again and GT is making 80 style bikes again. Uh, it, it's just rad to see. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's definitely played a big part of it too. Did how, did you know that that master was coming like way before and were you like super stoked on that way before the one, even happened? The one Haro sent me? Yeah. Or... Uh, John at Haro is a good friend and um, he said that they were doing that, that run of bikes and asked what size I rode. And when I told him a 20 and a quarter, it's a size they don't make. So he made me one specifically, wow. which was super cool. And I rode it, I rode it as my main bike for a year or two. And now it's sitting over there in my office. I keep it. It's kind of like, I don't want to destroy it so no yeah that's the kind of thing you can't that guy he's a rad dude like i had no he's idea nuts. he's fucking nuts i had no idea who he was and we were at interbike and like i don't know how we got in a conversation but like i must have just been standing at the haro booth or something we ended up talking for like an hour just about bikes and whatever and like i didn't even know who he was he didn't know who i was we were just talking about bikes and it was i don't know it was just cool yeah, he, he's a he's a he's a fun dude. Uh, he's been around BMX. I mean, I'm sure you've seen his movie and whatnot. Yeah, he's been around BMX for so long, and uh, his story is cool. That you know, from where he came from, and now that he runs Haro, that, that's that's amazing. He's a good dude. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that being said, what's what's riding look like right now for you? Um. <laughs> not <laughs> uh family family wheelies down the street um the, it, it, we've been pretty busy here and i have two uh teenage kids i try to hang out with them as much as i can they do like to ride a little bit yeah but it's not i've never pushed them into it so we do ride a bit they, we go down to raise um yeah. they go to modern with me occasionally um but most of the time when i'm at when i'm not working i'm I'm trying to do family stuff and be at home with my wife and, and Putting whatnot. motors in muscle cars. Muscle car. Yeah. I definitely play with a lot of cars lately. Um, especially with the COVID thing going on. It was like, don't want to go out and go anywhere. So I just hang out in my garage. And yeah. That's what's up. I saw you put that motor in that. Was it Camaro? Is that what you have? Must no, no. I have, have, I have a Trans Am. That's it. Which, uh, that's like a really nice car, like weight too nice like i probably shouldn't have it <laughs> that doesn't get touched i just drive it every once in a while what i put the motor in was a, a cutlass that oh, okay. uh it's actually something my kids and i and my dad now have gotten into and uh we bought the car with a crappy motor in it uh last year and the kids and i tore the motor out we got a new motor uh we just put that in just a weekend or two ago and uh we're just gonna finish it up get it running and have some fun with it that's sweet Huh. Uh, I did, since you're in Michigan, what's the status on TRP? Is it going to be public again? Like, whoa. From what I understand, Corey Rogowski just rebuilt it all. Yeah, I saw that. it is now owned by different people that I believe did open it up to the public. But I don't know if it's because of COVID or whatnot, but you have to have an appointment to ride from oh, what I understand. Gotcha. So, which I guess isn't a big deal. You just yeah. got to call ahead, make an appointment, and they're all, they only let, like, I think, 
seven or eight people in at a time or whatnot. Gotcha. It's only I don't know when you were at TRP last. It's only the one side is right. the park now. Um, I haven't been there since Corey redid it, but from video and photos, it looks amazing, just like everything else Corey makes. Yeah, it looks like, like he used the space really well. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, I just kind of wondered about that because I was like hearing different things or whatever, but cool. It's good to hear that they're opening to the public again. Yeah, I think it, it was the people that bought it, I think, are more into the skateboard end of things. Yeah. But I don't think they have a problem with bikes. And it did start as a bike park, it's been around for. I think 20 years or so now. And it's amazing that it's made as long as it did. Shout out to Suchin for, he bought it in shambles and basically just kept it alive just for the locals. Yeah. And uh, yeah, probably been, lost money on it for years and years and years. There's been a lot of eras of TRP. I feel like. Yeah. It bred that place bred a lot of really good riders as well. Yeah. You got any good stories on that? Uh, I don't know if I have good stories about the park itself, but some of the riders that came out of there, like Tyler Fernangle. I want to hear about young Tyler Fernangle. What do you want? What do you want to know about Tyler? I don't know. Like that kid, I feel like obviously I was not obviously, but I wasn't paying attention to like am people at the age where he like blew up. So it just felt like he came out of nowhere and was doing the biggest stuff ever in every like. That one video, I don't know if you ever saw it. It was just on Instagram where he did a ninja drop into a concrete ditch off of like a 20-foot drop or something. And the post was like, oh, he was just going to post this on Instagram or something, whatever. And I just remember there him coming on the scene out of nowhere. But then hearing Nick Fix talk about how they were riding together and like mm-hmm. competing against each other growing up and stuff. And it's like, I don't know, just like, what's... I don't know what's with he, that. he 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 came on the scene and he was on an 18 inch bike he was young when, mm-hmm. he, when he started popping up and people started noticing him and uh we helped him out and he was still on an 18 inch bike and we helped him out and then i got to know him a little bit more got to know his family a little bit and you know realized kid's real cool not just not just a good rider he's like he's a really cool kid yeah. even for his age he was much older and mature like you know i'm old enough to be his dad but hanging out with him it was like hanging out with a little brother yeah it is i didn't feel like the age difference was so drastic and uh we started helping him out uh getting to some places and then when i started working for redline and became uh running the redline freestyle program he was the first person i put on the team and it seemed like from there it just snowballed and he took off like just took off he is a very talented person uh, very very talented person very clearly there that's i'm glad to see that he's like riding more again too because i know he's like had bad luck with injuries it seemed like he he has been wrecked like but i mean you see you see what he's done when you go I mean, that big you could probably google crashes of him and there's probably a couple crashes on youtube where you think he might be dead yeah like, I don't know if you remember that Texas Toast crash. Do you remember that one? I uh, know, not right now. He did, like, a big tuck no-hander out of the big satellite dish, like, eight or nine feet out, mm-hmm. and then just completely missed the landing. Oh, just my god! straight down, broke the front end of his bike off, out cold, That's and somehow insane. walked away from it. Yeah, when you go as gnarly and as big as people like that do, I mean, eventually it's got to catch up. For at least yeah. a couple times so it's good to see him riding again after i just feel like it was a string of injuries there yeah he, he's always had problems with uh with injuries and uh you know it i think he was he had some sponsor issues for a while and just wasn't getting along with some of them and got it all straightened out and now i think he's just stoked to ride his bike and have fun which is awesome which is where you should be absolutely uh were you involved at all with the superdome thing uh, I was there. I didn't have anything to do with setting it up or whatnot. But yeah, that was one of the crashes. He crashed in that setup that was pretty scary to see. Dude, there's a lot to do with that that I couldn't imagine a crash happening. Oh, the one where he slid down the slides the... down and catches a yeah, and like takes a to the ribs one of the bench seats where that some so of them bad. were like mangled and sharp or whatever. That that whole building had herpes and scabies and everything that place was dirty but 
what a cool thing to see and have happen, especially in our local area, because the Silverdome's super well known in this area. Yeah. And you know, Tyler said he used to race motocross there when he was a tiny little kid. Wow. And then to come back there and he was he, that was literally the last thing that happened at the Silverdome. After that, it got tore down. That's what so it was like. About. He finished like the Silverdome's era. He, he tore well, it to cool. pieces. <laughs> yeah. How cool. Yeah, that, tore to pieces literally. That is really awesome. I mean that. It's just an iconic thing that people always mm-hmm. get to talk about. That and maybe that uh, that statue thing that he dropped in on that was on the cover of Ride. I oh yeah, yeah, that's a that's a water fountain in downtown Detroit. That is scary. That even look at blew my mind seeing that picture. Like when I got Ride magazines, I never read them or anything. I just looked at the pictures because I thought BMX was awesome, and then getting that one and seeing that, you're like what the, like really that's real <laughs> just insane <laughs> tell him i ordered cranks from him <laughs> tell him i said thank you <laughs> hey he said thank you uh i want to hear just because we've got personal connections here i want to hear your best chris markham story oh all right hang on give me a second yeah no worries uh and for oh, anyone who has no idea who we're talking about Chris Markham oh, is who a lot of people in my area say is legitimately the best BMX rider to ever ride. That's what people Markham from is, Worcester Markham say. Markham is a rad dude. He he was a good dude on and off his bike. Yeah. Always, he would be one of my favorite people to take on road trips because we'd go out on a road trip, we'd ride all day, and all these, you know, we'd be, uh, we'll say going to Florida, mm. we'd stop along the way and ride every bit we could the second we reached our destination it'd be late at night he'd be ready to go out and party like wow that dude that dude could could party with the best of them he uh i don't i don't know if i have any good markham stories i have good photos <laughs> we should, i want to see like i want to see some of those get posted again because i can remember some really good ones throughout the years uh that that air out whip with like the peg crank whatever things yeah, we went on a sure. we went on a trip to Florida, and we I think we picked him up in Ohio on the way down. And he goes to throw in his bike in the truck, and he doesn't have cranks. He's just got those pegs in his bottom bracket. <laughs> I'm like, dude, we're we're going on a week long road trip. How are you gonna get around? He's like, I'm good. Don't worry about it. Everywhere we went, that dude destroyed everywhere, and never once did it matter that he didn't have cranks. Yeah, dude. I mean, I. I guess I should give some context for anyone who has no idea because Markham is one of those people who like flew under the radar of like the top of BMX. This dude, okay, so he's from Worcester, the same city I'm from, grew up riding the same local park before it got moved or whatever. And I started riding like when he was kind of at the height of things. So I didn't really see him that much. He's not there. I ran into him a couple times at the skate park, but he rode for Albies. He rode for Redline. Uh, he won a Hoffman CFB jacket, straight jacket, which is like a really big deal for anyone who knows what that is. And just all around awesome dude and like one of the best riders ever. And Texas Toast, that sprocket he did. Yeah. Uh, that was one thing that I always think about too because like I don't know if he meant it caption or on instagram or something but it was like uh nobody wants to see you land your tricks or first try or something like that (laughs) because like he landed it first try and like no one cared or something i don't know but he went on a mega tour road he was on mega tour with us yep yeah so just really good dude great rider yeah he, he was always creative he always you know did the things like not having cranks on his bike and did a lot of the underhand yeah. stuff like he i think a bunch of people copied him there for a while too and i don't even think he realized it he was he was a really good bike rider he, i haven't talked to him much lately i um because he's moved to texas yep. and i don't think he's been riding quite as much and if he has he's definitely been laying under the radar but one of my favorite people on the planet like always a joy to be around never couldn't say a bad thing about him yeah i mean anytime i was ever around him it was like i can remember the one day at the skate park is before i ever learned 270s over a hip and i was like just trying and i was nowhere close and he's still trying to teach me how to do this trick when there was 
legitimately no chance I was going to get it right then. Just good dude. I remember yep. all kinds of different things like that. And Sponge was one who, like, I feel like is the generation right under Markham. And yeah. really probably was influenced more than, like, I would have ever been by him. Yeah, do you remember Do you remember Joey Greenwald? Remember oh, that dude? I know who all of them are. I remember I bought a stem off of Joey. <laughs> he won. It was an elementary stem. And he came to the skate park to sell it to me. And I didn't have cash. So I literally found $15 in change and bought it off of him. Like, I'm not talking just quarters, like dimes and nickels. And I'm pulling it out of my pocket. And he's just, oh, it's funny. But yeah, Joey's, Joey's a big name i see him from time to time i was closer to him than i was with markham yeah that that whole crew down there was really cool we used to like come in and hang out with them for sure joey's still awesome he'll still he'll still come out and come to jams even though he hasn't ridden in however many oh years. really yeah i haven't heard much about joey in a long time he'll come hang out and he definitely still pays attention to things who else was there in the because i know i know everyone from here but i don't know who was specifically like part of that crew that he was hanging out with you guys besides uh, joey and with markham Mark and them besides joey and, sponge and markham yeah jo uh, was, uh uh the other guy there's another guy joe fuller oh yeah joe fuller he's, joe fuller's cool too yeah he's he's rad his dad was my mailman for my whole life growing <laughs> up <laughs> joe fuller went on a road trip with us to go to the bmx demolition derby and I, one of the, I don't know why I remember this. He picked up some chick while we were there, and she looked like Jennifer Aniston. That's all I remember. Maybe she was Jennifer Aniston before Friends. Maybe. That's hilarious. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about that because it's kind of cool that we have like this connection of people who literally are from the same place I am. That's the cool thing about BMX is like, in some ways, everybody's connected. Yeah. Like the entire sport, it's almost like that. Kevin Bacon, six degrees of separation. And BMX, you know, it's only one or two degrees. You know somebody that knows oh, for somebody. Sure. For sure. I I like to think about it in terms of, like, if you went somewhere and you rode at a park, as long as you're not, like, just riding in circles, bunny hopping. Like, if you can ride, like, a, actually ride, and you go to a park in another state, more than likely there's going to be somebody there who's going to offer you a couch to sleep on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, BMX has always been very family-ish, and that's why I think I've stayed in it as long as I have. Like, it's awesome. Like, yeah. That's the way it should be. Everything in life should be like that. Everybody should get along. Everybody should get along. True. There should be no bad vibes. Everything should be sweet at all times. True that. That being said, uh, are you planning on hanging around Albies forever? That would you like? I don't I, – I guess so. I mean, we're Sick. at a point here, the building we're in now, uh, we're starting to blow out of, and uh, I'm not sure what our next move's going to be. I don't know if we're going to go big and get a get a bigger building, um, or if we're just going to maintain and do what we're doing, but I like coming to work every day. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to get rich, but I pay the bills, Right. and, you know, I can stand up and go get a beer out of the refrigerator, I can eat lunch when I want. I go out in the parking right. lot and do a couple tricks on the bike. I got the best job in the world. I don't know why I'd want to do anything different. I heard a, a term today that I'm going to use as a joke forever now. I was in a meeting with a bunch of people in this like group thing. It's a global group at where I was at. And uh, the lady called it a jobby. <laughs> it's a, a job that's your hobby. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> like, that's hilarious, but yes, you're right. Uh, I mean, there's there, there's definitely days where I was like, man, I don't want to talk to this person on the phone that's yelling at me because yeah. their free coaster has more slack than they wanted. You know, I get calls like that every day, mm. and, you know, it's not perfect every day, but I can't complain. Like, right. I I don't know what else I'd be doing if I wasn't doing this. Like, I can't, I can't even picture myself doing something different i think a lot of us who ride and like move to a place with riding where it becomes like part of your livelihood 
could mm. just ne- even just riding could never see where you'd be without it and then it gets no. to a whole nother level whenever it becomes part of your livelihood it's like i mean i work as far as like before i worked here i worked part-time as a plumber and i worked at a kentucky fried chicken you know uh i worked at a tire store all these jobs were just for you know a year or so at a time yeah this is all i've known for the most part this is all i've known yeah it's it's rad to hear that you love it enough to want to hang out and just have no thoughts of like what else there could be no i like riding my bikes i like hanging out with my family i like hanging out with my friends i like playing with cars I'm pretty happy. Like, I don't, I don't see why I'd want to change stuff too fast. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Um, so my last question, maybe this will lead to more, but I want to know, do you actually sell plungers? Like do people actually buy them? them? Tons of them. Seriously? It started out as a joke. Actually the, uh, sorry, hang on. I'm getting a call. You're good. All right. Um, that, that's actually a funny story. It started out as a joke. Um, Chad Kagey ordered from us way back, I don't know, early 2000s. And uh, we sent him a plunger, painted gold, <laughs> painted gold, um, all signed it and everything. And he, to this day, keeps it. He, it's his golden plunger that he keeps on display at his house. And that's kind of where it started. So it kind of took off from there. And over the past 20 years, I bet we sold 500 plungers. Wow! So you're like actually keeping stock of plungers. We have, yeah. We'll <laughs> we'll go we'll go down to the hardware store, buy a ton of them, bring them back here, you know, sell them over a month or two, and then like one day, we're like, oh, we got an order for another plunger. Somebody's got to go down to the hardware store and buy another couple dozen. Wow! And, uh, it's pretty funny, actually. Dude, that is so awesome. I just wondered, because I figured you probably sold some. Aren't there a couple more jokes like that on the site? We don't have to give them away, but just for everybody who might not know, Albies is a fun website, too. They have funny joke things like that on there. And, like, I remember when I first started riding out order from Albies, the coupon code was Penguins Explode <laughs> to yeah, get free shipping that, or whatever. That one started out a long time ago. That that's been around a long time, and there was even T-shirts involved with the penguins explode thing. Um, yeah, the penguin. We still get. We don't push the code out anymore. Yeah. But people still call and just say it like just LBs though. Penguins explode and hang up. <laughs> wow, that's pretty funny. I just remember that being the thing. I actually, yeah. I, I had to order something for my new bike, like months ago. It might have even been last year. I can't remember, but I did try to use it again. It didn't work. <laughs> I'm like, just in case, let's try it. So funny how something stupid like that can just stick. Yeah, well, is, isn't that part of, I mean, not that phrase, but is the penguin thing and Albie's part of uh, Billy Woodfin's profile colorway? Yeah, thing? yeah, yeah. Yeah, his, uh, that well, the whole lb's penguin mascot thing started from the penguins explode code which one of the dudes that worked here a bunch of years ago uh i don't even know where he came up with it but he came up with that phrase and it and it took off and then all of a sudden we had penguin shirts and penguin stickers and all this stuff and uh and then billy used it on his profile hubs and uh it's the flightless bird i don't know if you notice it's he's holding the balloon and that's how he's flying so flightless bird my ass that was a t-shirt we did that's funny Hell yeah. Someone, Daniel Dare's pro model condom. Yeah, that's that was a real thing. thing. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so there was, uh, when, when Dutour was real, real big and heavy, uh, 10 or 10 or so years ago, Daniel was winning everything. Yeah. And he wrote for us. And I thought it would be funny to make a signature Daniel Dare's condom, but I didn't tell him. So I showed up at one of the dude tours with literally a garbage bag full of Daniel Deere's condoms and just handed them out to everybody. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, it, it's funny, you know, I was, I was doing a lot of judging at the time for dude tours. And so I was talking to everybody and knew everybody and I handed out a couple hundred condoms and the next day I knew everybody's sexual exploits because they had to tell me how they used their condoms. Wow. That's hilarious. Insane. All right, 
I've got I've got another one of actually selling. So it's in stock right now. Do people buy the survival kits too? I think we've had an order or two for those, but then people like I was just joking. I don't really want to spend three hundred oh. some odd dollars. But the that's, survival kit's been around for a long time too. That's pretty funny. Yeah, I'm just looking at it right now. I think it's got like Jack Daniels and and firecrackers, and, uh, fireworks, uh, some kind of dancing pattern. What I see, I can't tell what the rest <laughs> is. Oh, right here, most def CD. There you go. That's all you need there to you know. Go. About. Yeah, it's dated now. I might have to update it soon. Yep, gonna have to get now. That's what I call music. Episode 100. Jock jams. There you go. <laughs> the the new uh, Wu Tang Clan album. Right. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. All right, I'll I'll appease Kurt Rowell just this once. Comments on the Bully Hot Rod frame. Uh when I rode for Bully, I rode the Bully Hot Rod, which uh they when when I started riding for Bully, they were gonna send me a frame. And they asked me what size I rode, and they made a what they called a 19 and a half inch and a 20 and a half inch top tube. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, I, I need the, I'll ride the 20 and a half. I got the bike, and it turned out they measured end to end instead of center to center at the time. So I ended up on a 21 and a half inch top tube Whoa. bike, which I don't know if you're familiar with that frame. It had a 15 and a half inch rear end, and I'm five foot four. So I looked pretty ridiculous riding that bike for a little while until we got squared away. <laughs> Jeez, that had to make things. You actually rode it then? You had to? I rode it for about a week. Oh. It, it, that was when Changa was really, really, like the first Changa was really big. And uh, I remember showing up and the first thing I did was tail up the box. And it felt like it took a year for the back end of that bike to come around. And I, yeah, I rode it for about a week and then I called Bully and I was like, yeah, I need another friend. <laughs> I tried. I tried. I tried, I tried, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I can't imagine how many tricks just got lost in that week for her for a week. I I made as much happen as I could, but man, it was it was definitely weird. We've had a couple of those bikes floating around here that we put uh, really low bars on, and it's a twenty one and a half inch top tube, fifteen and a half inch rear end. And we'll put like four inch bars on, and then we have bunny hop contests on it. Oh, and it's hard. funny because people basically do front flips. They try to get the front end up, oh, and they just yeah. whoosh, straight over the bars. It's so tough. Yeah. That being said, do you guys have any plans for any events or anything in 21? Or you... I don't know. Everything's so up in the air with all the COVID stuff. Right. Um, you oh, know, we moved style. into this new location we're at like four or five years ago and had definitely had a couple events a year. We did that old school show where Matt Hoffman came out. Yeah, I came to the first the one at the new spot. Um, and it was great, and then COVID hit, and we just don't know what to do. Like, it's we have people that complain that we're not doing stuff, but then we have people that complain if we do anything without wearing a mask. It's like right. you can't win. No, you can't. I feel like by the end of this year, maybe it'll be easier. Hopefully, yeah, for sure. Maybe we'll set something up. Uh, there, you know, there's so many cool local parks around here now that. It'd be cool. Maybe we can set something up at one of those where people spread out. Yeah. I don't have to worry about moms complaining and, and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, we, we hear all that shit. Like, they all come straight yelling at me for some reason. I've been to a few events, even last year. And then at the beginning of this year, then there was just a jam a couple of weeks ago at the local indoor skate park. And I haven't seen anybody be weird. So, I don't know. I, I feel like I've also heard that Michigan's kind of a little more... Crazy. Michigan's crazy. Everybody in Michigan either is completely over it and don't give a shit, or they're like straight up crazy and they wear gas masks and shit like that. <laughs> yeah, I think we're just getting to that point where it's the up the ends of the spectrum. Either way, I hope that something can come soon. I would like to come up to an event. Or absolutely, something. absolutely. It 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 that that's been the weirdest part of the whole COVID thing is just we don't see as many people as we normally used to not as many people are coming into the store and we're not going on road trips as much kind of sucks it's cool that everybody here rides because that's who i can ride with yeah you know we'll go cruise out on uh in the summers we'll go cruise and ride street or take out our crazy wheelie bikes and run shit over like monster trucks yeah um so at least we have people to ride with but 
I think getting a bunch of people together is a little sketchy right now. Yeah. Well, either way, I need to make it up there at some point. Absolutely. I think on that note, we'll we'll cut the stream here. I feel like we covered a lot of stuff, and my arm honestly is getting tired of holding my phone up to the microphone the whole time. But uh, I appreciate you taking the time to do this and working with me on the technical difficulties we had. Of course. Hopefully it all worked out. Yeah, it seems to be good. No complaints. Should be good. That being said, Mark Flip on Instagram? Yes. Mark Flip. Oh, dude, we forgot something. Uh-oh. That, that company that I tagged you in. I don't remember. Mark Flip, it? the bike company, is on a hat. Oh my god, I don't remember what we're talking about. There was, it was I literally a BMX company with in Japan or something that had a hat on it, or it was a hat, and it literally was Mark Flip on the oh, hat. Very, I, oh, did I not mention I'm very popular in Japan? <laughs> <laughs> I I just completely forgot about it. I don't know where it could even be found now. I just I tagged you in it on instagram months oh, you ago tagged me. okay you didn't send it to me i, I had oh, a... man, I, I don't remember that it was so weird because it was literally your name on a hat but it was like bmx related and it was like how how is this a thing dude dude probably probably my fans they probably all had bully hot rods well you know when you when you're making the big bucks that's what happens <laughs> you're making the millions and millions millions of pennies <laughs> yeah <laughs> if I find that again, well, I'll send it to you just because it was like, what the hell? How is this even real? Either way, thank you again, and uh, thanks to 